I'm going to begin this morning reading from um, Luke chapter 1, beginning at verse 39. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women. And blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. And Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he's been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He's performed mighty deeds with his arm. He scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He's brought down rulers from their thrones and has lifted up the humble. He's filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He's helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he said to our fathers, So Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. And then I've I've had that opportunity uh, to sit and to pray uh, with with even some of you, but with with young women who find out they're pregnant and, and, and how much life is about to change. And outside of the salvation of Israel or or the salvation of the world, the life change that was going to happen in this young woman's life. And, and everything that was going to happen in her and in her prayer, she recognizes what God was doing for Israel and even alludes to what God might be doing for the world. But it was a mystery. There was so much that they simply didn't know about. I want to come back to that thought, but I want to think about you just in your lifetime. And I'm thinking about the ages of the people that are in this room. Uh, all of the B- BCs and ADs that are in this room, what your life was before a certain event. And then what your life was like after that event. Just in world history, the American Revolution, the French Revolution, the Russian Revolution, the medical revolution, the industrial revolution, the technological revolution, all of these, this is the subject of textbooks. We don't really relate to these terms outside of history classes. We didn't know life, most of us. Actually, there might be some in this room that could know life before some of these. But you didn't know life before and after, but what an impact these events had on the world. The Renaissance, the Protestant Reformation, the abolition abolition of slavery, civil rights, the suffrage movement. These were major events in world history that changed the nature of the entire planet. Right? Think about the inventions and discoveries. And most of these, how about this, are just in the last century. 
or maybe the last couple of centuries. Um, some go are quite a ways back. Gunpowder, the way it impacted the world, the Gutenberg press, the steam engine, these were older. Electricity, the telephone, radio, the Wright brothers invent the aircraft. Satellites, television, the internet, the iPhone. Um, a lot of you can relate to life before these and life after these. Some of you can only relate to life before iPhone 10 and life after iPhone 10, whatever the next one is. Um, but you think about the impact these things have had on planet Earth, all of these events. And whether you're in the BCAD crowd or the BCECE crowd, no event transformed planet Earth like this um, incredible picture of a baby born somewhere in the Middle East. And the impact that has had on planet Earth as a whole, atheist, theist, regardless of who you are, nothing has impacted the entire planet like that one single event. And, and why? I, you know, I was thinking about in Daniel's comments this morning, I really liked something he said. I liked everything he said. But, but uh, man, why, why a baby? How many times did God come and appear to Abraham or to um, Israel, to Jacob, in the form of a man? He could have just brought Jesus in the form of a man. Why waste the first teenage years of your life? What, why did he have to go through that? We don't even know about it. What was the point? What was the point of a baby? Why did he have to be born in a feeding trough somewhere out in the cold? What's the point? And what's ridiculous about so much of Jesus' ministry and what frustrated the disciples is he kept using difficult to understand imagery and signs and symbols. His disciples kept coming to him saying, don't you understand? You're losing your audience. We have no idea what you're talking about. Why do you keep talking to us in parables? And Jesus would come and he would, he would heal a blind man. And, and he would um, turn water into wine. He would take six vessels that were for the purification uh, ceremonies. And he would turn the water into wine. And then he would smirk. And he just wants us to look at this and think. And then he meets a woman at a well. And he says, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for water, you would ask me and I would give you living water. If you understood the gift of God, he feeds 4,000, he feeds 5,000, he picks up 12 loaves of bread, 12 baskets of bread, he picks up seven baskets of bread, he's crossing the sea, he says, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees. They say, what are you talking about bread so much? And he goes, how on earth is it that you don't understand? I'm not talking to you about bread. So confused. He, he washes the disciples' feet and he takes off his clothes and he clothes himself with a towel and he washes himself with the towel he's wearing, covering himself with their dirt. And then he says, do you understand what I've done for you? He keeps speaking to them in symbols and signs and he wants you to stop, pause, and think about what this image means. The depth of it. What is happening right here, right now in this picture? Whether it's the cross, whether it's the baby born in Bethlehem, there's something profound happening in this moment 
of time. Nothing frustrates me more, and I know it's just because of my own pride, but nothing frustrates me more than being interrupted. And that bothers me because I'm, no, I'm more guilty of interrupting people than anybody. But if somebody interrupts me, especially, have you ever been in an argument with somebody? And they keep interrupting you to presume what you're talking about, and they keep making up straw men versions of your argument, and you're like, what are you talking about? I hate that, right? Listen to me. Jesus dealt with that a lot. And he kept giving images and signs to these people. And he says, I just want you to sit down and think about what this means. I want you to reflect and I want you to meditate. I'm showing you something profound right now. All right? Um, this birth of a baby somewhere in Bethlehem. This is incredible. What we're witnessing, what we're seeing. I want to talk to you a little bit about what it meant in history. And then I want to talk about what it means personally in our lives. I'm going to keep kind of going back and forth between these themes. This is what happened in the world of religion. When Jesus was born into the world, there's a temple. There's a lot of debate about whether you call this Zerubbabel's temple, Joshua's temple, Herod's temple. Was Herod's temple the third temple or the second temple? Lots of debate about that. But here's the really big mystery about that temple. Why, why did man create a temple for God anyway? It was to house the Ark of the Covenant. That was the whole point. Was David said, man, I want a house for you. I want to build a house. God said, you remember his response? Man, I don't need a house, man. I live in a tent. And, and, and David said, but I want to build a house for you. He says, okay, Solomon's going to build this house. So Solomon builds this temple. They put the Ark of the Covenant in the, the cherubim overshadowed the mercy seat. The problem is this. In Jeremiah, the Ark disappears. And Jeremiah says, it will never be seen again. It will never be thought of again. He says that in Jeremiah 4. That, that, that's never going to happen again. And so my big question is, when you come to Zerubbabel's temple, when you come to Herod's temple, what on earth is inside of the Holy of Holies? What's in it? What's the point? Why all the ceremony? There's nothing in there. All this wrapping. All this packaging. And there's nothing inside the box. There's nothing in the room. The worst gift possible. It's all about the wrapping. And then there's this baby born in a manger. Nobody cares about what's happening. The wrapping's horrible. And it's the Holy of Holies right there. It's everything. And Jesus comes with this incredible sign. This is where religion was at their time. And I'm, I don't want to be in as Christmas. I'm not going to be pessimistic about religion today. But let's face it, man. Religion is like a three-ring circus. It's crazy. It's weird. It's embarrassing to be a part of a lot of times. Except for the fact of the depth of who Jesus is. And I'm not ashamed to represent that. But at the time of Jesus, this is how dark it was. You grew up hearing about the difference between the Sadducees and the Pharisees. And, and, and we thought that the difference was the Pharisees believed in the resurrection. They believed in the spiritual realm of angels, of things like this. And the Sadducees didn't. They were more like political figures. And, and, and that's true. But did you know that it was much darker than that? Civil war broke out in the kingdom of Israel in the hundred years leading up to Jesus. 600 Pharisees were crucified on the road leading Jerusalem, crucified because they poured out water next to the altar during the Feast of Tabernacles instead of on the altar. 
Somebody decided to bring projectors into the church building, right? And everybody lost their minds and started crucifying people. Because of this fighting and religion and all this junk that was going on, this is the world of darkness that they were in. Religion had become a very dark, dark place. And people associated the Pharisees and the Sadducees not with pride, not with hypocrisy, with absolute sin, with darkness. And now you have a king that's born in a stable. And he came to transform everything. Think about your life before the birth of a child and after the birth of that child, before the death of somebody so influential in your life and afterwards, before and after a marriage or a divorce, the new job or the being fired, retirement, becoming debt-free, a life-altering diagnosis, or maybe the news that the cancer is now in remission. Those major events that took place in your life that you're like, there was my life before and now there's my life after. These are the big events. And I I pray that you're with me when you stop and you consider the birth of this child Jesus. The point isn't what it was in world history. The point is, what is this in your history? In your life history, when all of a sudden you're looking at this image Can you imagine the disciples, whether it's the turning of water into wine, Jesus walking on water? He didn't do magic tricks, okay? He did signs. It meant something. It was rich. It was deep. It was profound. And once it hits you, it hits you. When the idea of God becoming flesh, dwelling among us, making his home and tabernacling in the flesh with us and saying, this is the extent of my love for you. When this becomes personal, when this becomes life-changing, and it hits you in the gut, there's my life before that event and my life after that event. In class this morning, we were talking about the nature of Jesus' prayers, how he taught us to pray. And uh, I loved a point that was brought out in the class, and we kind of talked about God wants us to know these two rich things about his nature. I am not a distant God. I am very, very close. I am a father and I love you. And and, and secondly, I want you to know this. Um, My wisdom. I want to govern you. I want to guide you. I want to lead you. But I want you to submit to me. I want you to trust me with that. Um, Peter reflecting on this. And I, I, man, I just wish I could have been there with the disciples, especially after the resurrection, what it might have been like to hang out with Peter, James, and John, and just to talk about reflecting on everything Jesus did, the nature of it, the beauty of it. In 1 Peter, (coughs) Peter says this, grace and peace be yours in abundance. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. An entirely new birth. 
I'm a new person. I was trying to reflect on those times in my life when I experienced you know, real joy. And most of you who know me know I'm generally a happy person. I don't get down a lot. But those moments where I would say I experienced crazy joy. I can remember one time I hung up my phone and I just threw it because I was so happy. I was, I mean, crazy joy. The kind of thing when you're praying about somebody and you're like, I'm on my knees praying for them. God, do something that I can't do. And all of a sudden something happens and they give their life to Christ. That kind of a thing, right? When you experience real joy. And I hope you know what I'm saying. I hope you've been there. I hope you can go back to a moment in your life where you, you felt that. I've said it before, but the biggest moment of my life, um, I was on top of a mountain being held up by a terrorist for hours and hours and hours. And God provided an escape and we ran for our lives. And by the side of a highway next to a taxi cab, in tears, I was rejoicing. That kind of joy crazy joy where all of a sudden you're like I don't care what happens next in my life I don't care what even if I get cancer I don't care what happens God became flesh and dwelled among us and he told me this everything is conquered because of Jesus when you celebrate this image of a baby born in a manger it tells me this and somebody in this room I know needs to hear this When you're opening this package of Christianity and you get past all the wrapping of the 300,000 billion different denominations and all the craziness that's out there and why my church is better than your church religion stuff that's out there and you hate religion and you're sick of it and then you get to the package you're like, I don't even know what to believe. You get to the box and you're like, this is all trash. I want to tell you that at the middle of all of that is the most sacred gift possible. The fact that there is a God and he loves us very much. That Jesus Christ did not come to bring a joke into this world. But he's dead serious. And celebrating what that image means this time of year. I pray that it will be something that impacts your life with life-altering joy. Um... As somebody like many of this room who at one time was just an incredible cynic about everything, especially related to church and religion, and discovering this fact that all of this packaging isn't what it's about. We don't celebrate the packaging. If we did, we have failed. Okay? I'm going to stumble over my words. We have fake plants. No, we got real ones this time of year. We, we do our best, right? But it's, the packaging is, is not what it's about. It's the fact that at the center of all of this is a God that is very real, that loves us very much. And he give us, gave us this sign that I feel foolish even trying to give a sermon on when he just wants us to look at the picture, whether it's the birth of a baby in a manger or the death of a son on a cross. He wants us to look at this picture and say, I want you to meditate. I want you to think. I'm trying to speak to you. I'm not just trying to change the world because he did that. I'm looking at you right now and I'm saying, I want this to impact your life. And I want you to know 
that regardless of all, like Daniel said, the stress that might be out there right now, man, you can rest your shoulders. I got upset when he said take a deep breath because I actually can't do that right now. But you can relax and know this. God is present. He loves you and he's got you. And it's not the kind of joy that makes me jump. It's the kind of joy that just makes me hang my head and say, praise you, God. Even in the face of death, I will worship you. Because you have conquered that too. My God, I just want to come before you. And God, so often in religion, in the world of of trying to represent you just like before Christ, the same is true today. We get in the way. We've corrupted something very beautiful. We've turned it into a performance with all of this. And I'm, I'm begging you that you just give us the wisdom to sit at the feet of Christ, to look at these signs, to look at these symbols, to look at the beauty of a baby born in a manger, and to reflect on something so profound, so full of peace, so full of hope, so full of life-changing joy, um, God, that you would, you would impact my God. I, even a person that's in this room right now that needed to hear this, that needs to stop and reflect, I pray, God, that you would once again impact and transform not the world, but our world. I praise you, Father, for what this symbol means to so many in this room. I praise you, Father, for not just the birth of Christ into this world, for giving us new birth into a, a very living and alive hope that can never perish, spoil, or fade, reserved in eternity in your presence. It's in the name of Christ we come before you. Amen. Let's worship our God together.